Welcome to the Mount Sinai Missionary Baptist Church Podcast, where the Reverend Leo R. Thomas is our pastor. As a church, we desire to preach and to teach the gospel of Jesus Christ so that all are saved. We hope that you're encouraged by this message. I said, praise the Lord, family. Come on and give God some praise in this house, for God is worthy of our praise. We thank God. We thank God. This is the day the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. We're so thankful that God has blessed us to come once again to continue the work of ministry. We give him praise. We give him honor. And we give him glory to all of the people that are gathered here this morning, the few of us that are here in the house. uh, Words cannot begin to express our gratitude to you each and every week for all that you do for the ministry, all that you do for the body of Christ here at Mount Sinai, that you come sacrificially to give of yourself, of your talents and your gifts, in order that we might continue to send forth the preached word and praise to the God that we serve. Uh, We're mindful this morning of the sick and the shut-in. We want to be mindful of Mother Dorothy Clemens. ask that you all continue to pray for her. Sister Evelyn Mitchell, Sister Kathleen Overturf, Brother James Ridgeway, Sister Talia White, and then we're praying for the bereaved family of the McGee's. Deacon McGee and his family uh, lost a loved one this past week, uh, and we're praying for them. This month, real quick, is a month of celebration. I want to honor all of our ministers. We have a couple of preachers here with us today. This is Clergy Appreciation Month. And we want you to know that the ministers here at Mount Sinai are exceptional leaders in the kingdom. Each of them different in their talents and gifts, but all of them 100% committed to the work of ministry, and to that which we do here at Mount Sinai. So on behalf of the Mount Sinai Church family, to our preachers that are here, those who are watching us, we want you to know how much we love you, appreciate you. Uh, We couldn't do this without you. We want you to know that. And we believe that you're storing up treasures in heaven for the work in which you're doing in this ministry. Also, we want to acknowledge, uh, I forgot to do it last week, on October 14th, The church turned 96 years old here at Mount Sinai. Yeah, it was 96 years ago on October 14th that a few folk got together inspired by the Holy Spirit of God in order that they would start a ministry here in San Pedro. And how thankful we are that we continue to carry the banner of the work in which they did back in 1924. Amen. Also want to acknowledge that today is my grandmother, Ruthie Lee Swanson's birthday. She is 92 years young. I'm thankful for her. Uh, There's not been a bigger supporter in my entire life than my grandmother, specifically when I was growing up. And I just want to thank God that she's still here. Uh, Though she may not know exactly who I am, I thank God that I'm still able to go and visit with her. I went and visited with her last Saturday. Spent a couple hours with her, and I'm just thankful. Uh, I'm thankful for JT uh, and my Aunt Sandra, who take care of her greatly. They do a good job in making sure my grandmother's taken care of. Thank you, brother. Thank you, and thank you to my Aunt Sandra. Uh, also want to acknowledge that um, tomorrow, if the Lord say the same, uh, if the creek don't rise, amen, if she don't get mad and walk out on me, my wife and I will celebrate 29 years of holy matrimony. 29. Amen. Uh, I married her when she was just a young babe, and now she's a mature babe in Christ. Amen. And I thank God for her uh, 29 years. Also this week, my youngest baby, Sydney, will be 16 years old on the 29th. Pray for her. Pray for Sydney. Uh, We have a secret handshake, she and I. And uh, the other day, she sent me a confidentiality agreement uh, not to share the handshake with her mother and her sister. Amen. Amen. She's already starting off as a sharp businesswoman. So pray for her. She'll be 16 on the 29th. Amen. We thank God for all of you. Let's pray. Let's pray. Let's pray. 
God, we thank you and praise you. We bless you, Lord God, for another day. We thank you, Lord, that we're able to come and that we're able to do ministry in this vein. We thank you, Lord God, for the people who are committed to this process. We thank you, Lord God, for the support of our church membership. We thank you, Lord God, for the commitment of the leadership in general, Lord, that has agreed to invest in avenues and vehicles such as live streaming, recording, in order that we might send the gospel into the homes of not just our people, but any and all who desire to hear a word from the Lord. Now, God, we ask a blessing upon the sick and the shut-in. I ask that you touch them even now, Lord God, in their bed of affliction. Touch them with your finger of love, God. And if it be according to your will, we pray that you will strengthen them and lift them, Lord God. Send them on their way. We ask a blessing upon the bereaved hearts today, Lord God, those who are struggling for the loss of a loved one, Lord God. We pray that you would just meet them where they are, Lord God, that you would comfort them, wipe the tears from their eyes as only you can. Now, God, as we prepare our hearts and minds for the spoken word today, God, we pray that you would purge us with hyssop. Empty us out of the old nature and pour into us that which you have us to have. You have our attention already. Now, God, open up the windows of heaven and speak a word unto your people. That, God, we will be forever changed. Now, God, as always, set the preacher down. Stand your word up on the pedestal of my personality. Let your word go forth boldly and clearly. That, Father God, you would be glorified. Jesus, our Savior, he would be magnified. And by way of your Holy Spirit, your people would be edified. Now, God, as always, we're in your care. Continue to have your way in this place. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Give God a hand, praise. Amen, amen. Amen, amen. Grab your Bibles, grab your Bibles. We're in Romans chapter 1. Romans chapter 1. Romans chapter 1. And today we are picking up at verse 21. Verse 21 of Romans chapter 1. Romans chapter 1, beginning in verse 21. And I'm reading from the King James Version of the Bible. And the Word of God reads as such. Because that when they knew God, they glorified him not as God, neither were thankful but became vain in their imaginations, and their foolish heart was darkened. Verse 22, professing themselves to be wise, they became fools. From those verses, I'd like to use as a focal point, as a theme, as we continue in excerpts from Romans, the reality of man's depravity the remix, we're doing verse two today, verse uh, part two, part two, part two of the reality of man's depravity. You may be seated in the presence of the Lord. Charles Spurgeon once said, I groan daily under a body of sin and corruption. Oh, for the time when I shall drop this flesh and be free from sin. Anyone who has a desire to please God and yet are mindful of the battle and the struggle that exist in our being can easily echo the same sentiment and expression of Brother Spurgeon. We are born with a sinful nature. It is inherited from the first man, Adam. And the fruits of this sinful nature are sinful thoughts and sinful actions. 
David says in Psalm 51, verse 5, Behold, I was shapen in iniquity, and in sin did my mother conceive me. Society does not need to be taught to do wrong. We do it naturally from birth. Sinful words and deeds are only the outward signs of a much deeper evil, and that is that of a sinful heart, a sinful mind, and a sinful will. Proverbs 4.23 reminds us, guard your heart above all else, for it determines the course of your life. To put it plainly, family, man has an unethical, crooked, and shady heart. (laughs) That in a natural sense is always antagonistic toward God. I'm not saying this in order to traumatize you. However, I am a firm believer that you cannot fix what you do not acknowledge. We have to be mindful of the heart condition in which all of us struggle with. And in these words before us today, God gives us a glimpse into the psyche of transgression into the psyche of irreverence, into the psyche of sinfulness. We would like to continue to explore the reality of man's depravity. God, in his ultimate wisdom and ultimate love, is always and constantly reaching out to man. God's desire is to redeem man and to be in constant fellowship with man. The problem is, is man's response to God's desire. God extends himself to us in order that we might know who he is and that he might, we might surrender ourselves to him in order that he might direct and guide our lives. And yet, the response of mankind is less than desirable. We have it in our own mind that God is not needed in our lives. If you look at mankind in general, man believes that God is a waste of time because man believes he can do anything and everything for himself. But the devil is a liar. Your response to God's desire, your response to God's uh, extension to you, your response to the desire of God's will that you might be saved is predicated on your view and perspective of who God is and your view and perspective of who you are. In your darkest position, in your darkest moments, in your closet, in your home, when no one can see, what are the thoughts that run through your mind? There is constant depravity and constant wickedness separate and apart from the God that we serve. We need him in order that we might become right before his sight. We need him in order that we might stand on the promises and the principles of God's word and be in right fellowship with him in order that God would lead us, guide us, and direct us. What what is the response that we have when God is trying to extend himself to us? Because your response is an indication of how you view God. Here in these three verses, here in these three verses, uh, excuse me, two verses, God gives us an indication. He gives us a glimpse into the response of a wicked, depraved man. The Bible says there in verse 21, look at it, because that when they knew God, they glorified him not as God, neither were thankful. Here's the first one. God extends himself to us in his desire to have a relationship with us. And guess what man does? Man responds to God with ingratitude. Yeah, he, he responds to God with in, 
gratitude. The word glorified, doxazo, him not as God, that's what the word says, they glorified doxazo, him not as God. The consequential meaning of the word glorified rests in the opinion in which one forms in order to recognize, to honor, to praise, and to invest with dignity and to show forth esteem to someone else. In other words, anyone who fails to, anyone who refuses to, anyone who neglects to, doxazo God does not have the proper opinion, the proper view, and the proper perspective of who God really is. Depravity evilness, wickedness, immorality will have one convinced that God is not worthy to be glorified. These men would not glorify God because their view of God did not put him in high enough esteem for them to show glory unto the true and the living God. Yet the Bible tells us that in every aspect of our being and in every aspect of our thought and in every aspect of our lives, we ought to glorify God. 1 Corinthians 10.31 says, whether therefore ye eat or whether ye drink or whatsoever ye do, do all to the glory of God. That means everything that I am and everything that I do in some form or fashion ought to extend itself and lend itself to glorifying God. They were not appreciative of God for who he is, nor were they appreciative of what God has done. They glorified him not as God. They did not hold him in high esteem. And I believe that that's the problem with the modern day church. That's the reason we don't have the power to cast out devils and demons. That's the reason we don't have the power to heal the sick. That's the reason we don't have the power to walk in the authority of the God that we serve because we no longer glorify him as God. That's the reason people eat in the sanctuary. That's the reason people curse in the parking lot. That's the reason people chew gum and show up any kind of way into the house of God because they don't glorify him as God any longer. Oh, but devil, you're a lie. Oh, devil, you are fool because God is worthy and desiring of glory. And guess what? The more you glorify God, the more blessed you are. The more you glorify him, the more praise that goes forth, the more thankful you are. God opens up the windows of heaven and pours out buckets of blessings on you. You can't even receive them because that is the God that we serve. I have learned for myself that I'm going to glorify God in every situation, in every circumstance, on a good day, on a bad day, on a rainy day, on a sunshiny day, on a snowy day. Whatever the situation is, God is worthy to be glorified. If my wife is speaking to me or if she's not, if my children are acting right or if they're not, God is still worthy to be glorified. Don't allow your glory for God to be predicated on your existential and outward situation. God is deserving of our glory in spite of how you feel and in spite of what you think. Is there anybody who realizes that God is worthy of glory? That no matter how I feel, just the fact that I got up this morning, I may not have felt 100% my best, but I opened my eyes. I stepped out of my bed. I was able to walk across the floor. I had use of my extremities. My mind was regulated. I was laying next to the woman that I love. My babies were safe in the other rooms, and that's a reason to glorify God. I got on the freeway, and I drove 63 miles to get here this morning, and there was no issues with my car. 
There was no accidents in my lane. And God led me here in order that we might do ministry. That's a reason to glorify him. The Bible says they did not even glorify God. They did not desoxo him. But guess what? Neither were they thankful. Hmm. Not only did they not glorify him, the Bible says they glorified him not as God, neither were they thankful. Sinful mankind's response to God is one of ingratitude. They had no gratefulness of God, nor did they understand their indebtedness to God. For his love toward them, our society is marked by unthankfulness and ingratitude. As God's people, we're to have an attitude of gratitude. It is to be non-stop because of who God is. Even if God did not bless you one more time in your lifetime, he's already done enough. For us to thank him. The Bible infers that our gratitude ought to resonate not for what God has done, but for rather who God is. The Bible says in Colossians 3 and 15, be ye thankful. We're commanded because the Apostle Paul is not trying to coerce us into thanking God or having a thankful heart, he is commanding us that we are to be thankful. Ingratitude is stepping away from God. When you reflect on who God is, there are numerous reasons why we ought to show forth our gratitude to him and why we ought to be thankful to him. If you consider God's glory in Psalm 8 and 1, the Bible says, O Lord, our Lord, how excellent is thy name in all the earth, who has set thy glory above the heavens. That's a reason to glorify him, and that's a reason to be thankful to him. When you consider his power in Jeremiah 32 and 27, the Bible says, Behold, I am the Lord, the God of all flesh. Is there anything too hard for me? When you consider that verse, you ought to glorify God and you ought to be thankful toward him. When you consider Romans chapter 5 and 20, talking about the grace of the God that we serve. The Bible said, but where sin doth abound, grace doth much more abound. When you consider that verse, you ought to glorify God and be thankful to God. When you think about his love in Romans chapter 5 verse 8, you ought to be glorifying him and thankful of him. For the Bible said, but God commendeth his love towards us that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. The psalmist had it right in Psalm 100 when they directed the people of God to enter into his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. Be thankful unto him and bless his name. Why? For the Lord is good, his mercy is everlasting, and his truth endureth to all generations. That means not just the generations of the psalmist, but even now, God's mercy endureth to us. That's the reason we're still in the land of the living. That's the reason you still have a roof over your head. That's the reason you still got a few pennies in the bank. That's the reason you had food on your table last night. That's the reason you got heat in your house. That's the reason you got 
got clothes on your back because the Lord's mercy endureth to all generations. Even when I'm not at my best, I have enough mind to say, God, have mercy on me. God, have mercy on my wife. God, have mercy on my family. God, have mercy on the church. Is there anybody who realizes I need God's mercy and I'm thankful I glorify him because his mercy endureth to all generations. Not just them, but me too. Not just Paul, but me too. That's a reason to glorify God. But a depraved man, a wicked man, an irreverent man responds to God with ingratitude. I ain't going to glorify you. I ain't going to thank you. I'm not going to praise you because I did this in and of myself. When God extends himself to mankind, when God goes out of his way to redeem us, and expresses a desire to lead us, to guide us, and to direct us. Man responds within gratitude. But not only do they respond within gratitude, man responds with ignorance. Hmm. The Bible says in the second portion of verse 21, 21b, they became vain in their imaginations and their foolish heart was darkened. Not only do they express and respond with ingratitude, they respond with ignorance. This word here, vain, means empty. It means futile, and it means worthless. The word imaginations, dialogos mas, speaks of the thought process, and it carries the idea of deliberating, contemplating, pondering, and coming to a conclusion. It speaks of the process of weighing the pros and the cons. In other words, they deliberated, contemplated, and pondered the things of God, but because of their vainness, the result was useless and pointless. But believe me when I say, if you believe God's word, you know that even in the midst of people deliberating and contemplating and pondering whether or not to acknowledge God, in many cases, we see more people say and behave in a manner that is indicative of those who say, not yet. Hmm. Let, me, let me think about it. Let me consider it. They are deliberating, they're contemplating, they're pondering. And yet in their own minds, they're saying, I really don't have time for the things of God yet. Maybe later, maybe at a later date, maybe at a different occasion. Right now is not convenient for me. They remind me of a brother by the name of Felix in the book of Acts. The Bible tells us that Paul preached and sweated and debunked and dis disentangled the gospel in the presence of a brother by the name of Felix. Paul's sermon was pedagogical. Paul's sermon was exegetical. Paul's sermon was didactic. And Paul's sermon was theological. And yet Felix listened to him intently. He listened to what Paul had to say. But the Bible says in Acts chapter 24 verse 25, and he, as he reasoned within himself, he reasoned of righteousness. He reasoned of temperance and judgment to come. Felix trembled and answered the apostle Paul, go thy way for this time, and when I have a convenient season, I will call for thee again. The word reasoned in the book of Acts is dialego mai, not dialego.
mas, which is the word we have for the, the word that's in uh, Romans chapter 1, verse 21, for imaginations, but yet they're of the same root word. Dialogomas or dialogomai are from the same root word, and they mean to contemplate and to reason within oneself. In other words, Felix was disputing, he was debating, he was discussing the things of God within himself as Paul was preaching the gospel. The problem was is that Felix was having the conversation with himself. He was not having a conversation in order that God would lead him, guide him, and direct him. He was not having a conversation in order that God would open up his mind in order that he would receive the things of God. He was thinking about what was on his agenda this next week, and he was thinking about what he had to do at work. He was thinking about his family and his friends and the lifestyle in which he was living, and guess what? He responded out of ignorance. And there are people in the world today that are in need of the gospel of Jesus Christ, and yet they respond with ignorance. In other words, they don't have enough sense to realize that they need God and they need him right now. What the world needs today is Jesus in the world. We have pushed him out. We have pushed him to the back burner. We've put him in a separate space in our lives and in our minds. We have regulated God to Wednesday nights and Sunday mornings. Well, don't you know that it's ignorant to block God out of five days out of seven of your life and only praise him and worship him and acknowledge him on Wednesday nights and Sunday morning? I need God Monday when I go back into the workforce. I need God Tuesday when people are getting on my nerves. I need God Wednesday. Wednesday when my kids are acting like they didn't lost they might. I need God Thursday when the bill collectors are calling me. I need them Friday when my old friends are trying to get me to go out and live the old life. I need him Saturday morning and Saturday noon and Saturday night and definitely need him on Sunday. Is there anybody who realize I need my God seven days a week? It's not just every now and again it would be ignorant for as much as God has done for me, for as much as God has brought me out of, for as much as God has shown me for me to block him out of my life would be ignorant. But man responds with ignorance. He's foolish. And his mind, his heart is darkened. Because of vainness in his life. The Bible tells us that these men, these people, mankind, literally behaved as fools. Though they thought they were really about something. I am amazed at how many people who've darkened the doors of this church and have come and told me about how challenging life was, how challenging their marriages were, how challenging their children were. And yet I tell them, you need Jesus in your life. All right, Reverend, I'll think about it, and I'll pray about it. And my question is, who are you praying to? Because if you don't have a relationship with God, God doesn't listen to your prayers. The only prayer God wants to hear from a sinner from someone who's living in darkness is, Lord, I believe that you are God and I need you in my life. I surrender myself unto you. There's nothing else you can say to God when you are carnal and worldly that God wants to listen to unless you're already saved, you dip back into the old life and you come back with a repentant spirit. But if you've never been saved, the only prayer that God wants to hear is, Lord, when you come into your kingdom, remember me. That will get you saved, but you have to accept God on the terms in which God gives you. Problem that ignorant people have is they want to accept God on their terms. God, I'm willing to accept you, but hey, hey, here's what I need. Here's what I need. 
I still need some freedom on Saturday nights because I got a little thing that I deal with, and, and I don't want to break that off. God, I, I, I want you in my life, but God, I got some stuff that I like doing uh, every couple of months, uh, going up the 15 freeway down to Vegas to hang out a little bit. And, and guess what? I don't want to interfere with that. They're ignorant to the degree that they want to accept God on their terms and their conditions. And let me tell you, I don't care how good you think you are or how smart you think you are or how holy you think you are. God does never acquiesce to our terms and conditions. God expects us to acquiesce and to placate him based on his terms and his conditions. The Bible tells us, Jesus says in John chapter 3 verse 19, and this is the condemnation that light is coming to the world and men love darkness rather than light. Because their deeds were evil. John 3, 19. God extends himself, has a desire to be in constant relationship with mankind. And man responds with ingratitude. No thank you. Jesus says, come. No, no thank you. Jesus says, I can help you. No, no, no thanks. I'll figure it out on my own. I'm not going to glorify you, and I'm not going to thank you. Ingratitude. But then not only do they respond with ingratitude, they respond with ignorance. They say, listen, man, I'm not fitting to get caught up in the foolishness of what you guys got going on. They became vain in their imaginations, in their minds, darkened. But finally, family, finally, here's the last one. Here's the last one. The last one's there in verse 22. Y'all know where I'm going. The Bible says, professing themselves to be wise, they became fools. Being a fool is different than being ignorant. It's different than being ignorant. Ignorant is lacking the intellect, the information. Being a fool is making a choice. It's making a decision. Amen. The Bible says, professing themselves to be wise, they became fools. Not only did they respond to God with um, ingratitude, not only did they respond to God with ignorance, they responded to God with intellectualism. Hmm. God, I'm too smart for this. I'm too smart for those uncivilized church folk down there that be sweating and falling out dancing themselves up into a lather. I, I, I don't understand why they have to behave that way. I'm, I'm, too, I'm too sophisticated for that type of behavior, and therefore, God, I cannot worship you because that doesn't fit in to my scheme and my view of how things ought to be. While they were rejecting the revelation of God and denying him, these men, these people, these women, mankind was professing themselves to be wise because they have rejected God and his truth. The Bible says they were actually fools. Two times David tells us in the psalm, in the hymn book of Israel, the fool had said in his heart, there is no God. He says that in Psalm chapter 14, verse 1, and in Psalm chapter 53, verse 1. The word fool in those verses does not mean that they were mentally deficient, but rather describes someone who has moved from the light of God's influence into the darkness of carnal mind. Therefore, the fool lacks spiritual discernment. Paul tells us in 1 Corinthians chapter 2 verse 14, but the natural man receiveth not the things of the spirit of God, for they are foolishness unto him, neither can he know them. A fool is someone who is constantly operating in the natural realm versus that of the spiritual realm. Jesus said it this way, O fool, and slow of heart to believe all that the prophet 
prophets have spoken in Luke chapter 24, 25. We are dealing with a day and time where intellectualism has become cultish. There are people who believe that they know more than what God knows. They are operating in darkness. That is the reason there is such a heavy debate going on of who the next president will be. Because intellectualism will turn a blind eye to that which is obvious. And sin is running amok. It is running rampant in this world. And we have have to be mindful of the things of God in order that we might respond in a way where God does not call us fools. If you believe that everything we stand in need of will be found by way of the White House, you are a fool. If you believe that all of a sudden this pandemic is going to go away without leaving years of long-term ramifications, you are a fool. If you believe that God is not the mastermind of everything that's going on in the world today in order to slow us down and to get us to focus and to respond and behave differently, I'm telling you, you are a fool. There are times that we have to recognize God for what he's doing, even though he's manifesting it behind the scenes. Let me tell you, I spent more time with my wife in eight months than I've spent in the last 20 years. I've spent more time with my daughters in the last eight months than I've spent since they've been alive. I've spent more time reading the Word of God, praying to Him, meditating on Him in the last eight months than I've done in my entire ministry. There are some benefits and some blessings that's coming out of this time. And if you don't see it, then you're acting like a fool. Is there anybody that can declare that God has been too good to me for me to be a fool when it comes to the goodness of God? Has anybody ever realized that God has blessed you and brought you and kept you and led you and inspired you in a way that you can realize that God is real, that he's real, I know he's real. And therefore, I have to acknowledge God for who he is. I have to acknowledge him. I have to praise him for who he is. I have to acknowledge God and surrender myself unto him that God might lead me in the path of righteousness. There's a story in the Gospel of Luke in chapter 16 and we're done. The story is about a man who was rich. He was rich. He was rotten rich, and he was spending his money at all the fancy restaurants and all the places in the city. And the Bible says there was a poor beggar who laid out on the street by the name of Lazarus. Now listen to me. Lazarus in Luke 16 is the only parable where Jesus ever mentions somebody by name. The Bible says Lazarus was so poor, he lay there begging. He said he was so poor and so sickly, the dogs would come and lick his sores. The Bible said Lazarus died and the angels took him into the bosom or the side of Abraham. The Bible just said he died. The Bible doesn't say he was buried. The Bible later says that the rich man died and was buried, which implies Lazarus was so poor they couldn't even afford a funeral him. The Bible says there was this big gulf between the rich man and Lazarus. The Bible said the man looked over the gulf, over the divide. He saw Abraham and he saw Lazarus. He said, Father Abraham, can you just let Lazarus come and dip his fingertip in some cold water and just come and put it on my tongue because I'm being tormented day and night. Bible said Abraham told him, listen, man, I can't do that because there's a divide. There's a gulf between us. He said, well, listen, Abraham, well, listen to this. Listen to this. Why don't you just let Lazarus come back from the dead? Because I got five brothers. And I want to warn them, man, so they don't end up here where I am. 
Moses, I mean, uh, Abraham told him, listen, they got Moses and the prophets. If they won't listen to them, they're not going to listen to somebody who comes back from the dead. Listen to me, those who deal with, operate in, have family members and friends that specialize in depravity. One day, one day, those of you who are saved, those of you who are saints of the Lord, there's going to be a divide between us and them. And they're going to say, God, will you just let Brother Sherwin go and dip his fingertip in some cold water and come and put it on my tongue because I'm being tormented day and night. And God's going to say, no, thank you. I can't do that. They're going to say, can you just let First Lady Kim just go dip her fingertip in some cold water and come and put it on my tongue because I'm being tormented both day and night. And God's going to say, no, no, thank you. The same way they want are not thankful of God now, God's not going to be thankful of them in the life to come because these people are foolish. They don't believe that God is real. But I'm telling you, I believe, I believe that there's a place we're going to go where the streets are paved with gold and there's going to be a lamb in the middle of the city. There's not going to be any electrical wires. There's not going to be any lights, but there's going to be an illumination that comes from the middle of the city, and his name is Jesus. He's the lamb that's sitting on the throne of God, and he taketh away the sins of the world, and he did it in order that we might be where he is one day, and I'm telling you, as long as you hold fast to that, you won't respond with ingratitude. You're going to desoxo God. You're going to glorify him. You're going to be thankful of him as long as you remember there's a mansion place somewhere for us that we're going to one day. You won't respond with, to God with ignorance because you know God is telling the truth. You won't respond to God with intellectualism because God has a place with your name on it. It is just a matter of time that we're going to be with him. My daughters asked, they said, Dad, what you want for your birthday? I said, nothing. I already got everything I want. But I'm realizing that I am closer to the grave now than I've ever been in my life. I don't fret dying. My daughters get mad because they talk to me and I say, you know what? When I'm gone, they hate to hear that phrase. Daddy, don't say that. I said, well, you do realize one day I'll be gone. But I told my daughter one day, this was months ago, I said, listen, I don't know how I'm going to leave here. I don't know what God's plan is. I know there's a plan. I don't know what the plan is. I said, but you might get a call and somebody may say it may be your mother, maybe one of your brothers, and they're going to say, daddy's gone, daddy's dead. I said, I want you to tell him, no, he's not. That's a lie. My daddy may have transitioned, but he is not dead. And guess what? All of us are going to have to transition. But those who have a mindset in our hearts of depravity are going to transition to another place. We're going to be up with God. The debate Thursday night, boy, they was arguing and acting crazy. Not as bad as the first one. But, but here's what they're doing. Here's what they're doing. Catch this. We're done. They're trying to convince the American people that the incumbent president and the candidate, that one of them have a greater plan for the American people. But let me tell you, God has the best plan for his people. God has the greatest plan for his people. God has the most comprehensive plan for his people. Guess what? No matter what your pre-existing condition is, God can heal you of that pre-existing condition and give you an entirely new mindset and eventually we'll have a new body. But you've got to accept him on his terms and his conditions. Pray with us today. There's somebody who's listening, somebody who's watching. And you've not surrendered your life to God, not have surrendered your life to Jesus. And I'm telling you, there is no other way. There is no other way. There is no other way to get to the Father than to go by way of the Son. If you're willing to confess that Jesus Christ 
is Lord. You're willing to manifest it in your spirit, in the recesses of your mind, your heart. To confess that God has raised him from the dead. The Bible tells us salvation is yours. But you have to make a decision. God is extending himself to you. You ought to show forth gratitude and thanksgiving. God is extending himself to you. Don't respond with ignorance because of the vainness of your imaginations. God is desiring to have a fellowship with you. Don't, don't respond with intellectualism. You can have a thousand degrees. The question is, do you know you need Jesus in your life? If you're willing to pray that prayer, if you're willing to confess that in your heart and in your mind, that you've just walked out of darkness into the marvelous light. And here's the one thing we can guarantee you, your life will never, ever be the same. We ask these in all prayers in Jesus, our Savior's name, that the people of God say, amen. Come on and give God some praise. Listen, 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 listen. We appreciate you. We thank God for you, for all of those who are listening, both near and abroad. We know that there are quite a few folks that are all over the place that listen to this broadcast, the podcast, watch the video. We want you to know how appreciative we are that you would take the time out on a regular basis to connect with us. Listen, I want to hear from you. I want to hear from you. Go onto our website. Shoot us an email. Amen. Send me an email. Let me know that God is blessing you and keeping you no matter where you are. We desire to, even if we have to become pen pals, we desire to have a relationship with you. For those of you who are local, those of you who are local, if you don't have a church home, listen, listen, if you don't have a church home, I'm not talking about if you're somewhere and your name is on a roll, you got to wait until church open backs up and deal with that with your pastor. But for those of you who don't have a church, you're unchurched and unsaved, listen, join with us. We'd love to have you as a part of the Mount Sinai family. Don't forget, family, in this 2020 experience and all of your being and all of your doing, and all of your getting. God will be glorified. God bless you. Hello, family. It's Pastor Thomas, and I want to thank you for tuning in to the podcast today. We pray that something was said that encouraged and inspired your heart during this difficult time. I pray that you are being strong and that your spiritual resolve is being fortified and strengthened during this difficult time. To the Mount Sinai family, we want to encourage you, if you've not done so yet, to make sure that as you go on to the website, that you would take a moment to go on and hit the PayPal button and that you would send your tithes and your offerings to the church. We are still a church body and we are still in need of the financial support in which you provide on a consistent and regular basis. If you do not feel comfortable by sending your tithes and offerings by way of PayPal, you can feel free to send a money order or a check or a cashier's check to the church. Uh, attention, uh, our secretary, Sister Lydia Haley, she'll make sure that the deacons get it. We ask that you please do not send cash to the church. And then also we want to encourage those of you who are listening in other states and other countries, we want to thank you for tuning in. I pray that you are encouraged today by that which you've heard. And also, uh, for those of you who are unchurched and unsaved, I pray that this not take the place of uh, a local ministry for you, but that you would go and find a Bible preaching, Bible teaching, and God-fearing church to join with and become a part of that you might go forth sowing much fruit in the kingdom of God. Family, we love you and we thank God for you. And remember, God will be glorified. I can't stop.